Whenever your alarm goes off. All over this amazing place we call home, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, it could. We just don't have the budget. Broadcasting live and local. This is Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M. Welcome to the podcast edition, and it's an opportunity for you to catch up on some of the things that you might want to rehear, some of the things you might have missed the first time around, and some of the things that didn't quite make it to air here on Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M's podcast. Uh, we have plenty for you coming up, uh, including our own sports guru, Dobbo, who uh, let us know on Monday that he had suffered a heart attack age 45. Hadn't been looking after himself, hadn't been going to the doctors. And his story, thankfully, has a great happy ending. But it is a timely reminder, particularly for us fellas, that we do need to be looking after ourselves. So, Garth Hamilton, Federal Member for Groom, popped in the show to uh, address an open letter by one of our local travel agents, Ben Apsey, who then popped in straight after him to uh, have a talk about the response and uh, what needs to be done as far as the travel industry is concerned. We'll have a bit of a laugh with some You Can't Be Serious uh, and... We opened a genuine can of worms when we started discussing youth crime, which tragically is on the rise in ours and many other regions around the country. Uh, and I put a bit of a can of worms here. I, this uh, is on the back of uh, an article that uh, is in the Chronicle. It's uh, is a report on... Juvenile crime, which is becoming a real concern for us in this part of the world. In fact, in today's Chronicle, there are two stories about juvenile crime, in particular uh, break and enters and car thefts. Now, thankfully, despite the fact that in one of these stories, uh, spikes had to be used on the road by police to stop these car thieves, nobody was injured or killed, but it certainly could have been very, very different. And we're seeing this right across the country. Youth crime is absolutely on the rise. Now, there is some talk about raising the criminal age of responsibility to 14, something that former Police Commissioner Bob Atkinson, he wrote a report on youth justice a few years ago, said would be a bridge too far. Uh, That uh, raising the age which has been proposed by Greens MP Michael Berkman from 10 to 14, uh, would be opening a Pandora's box. And like he says, there is no simple solution. There is no quick fix. Uh, Now, I've heard that every year for the 25 years that I've been broadcasting, because this is certainly not a new phenomenon that we have youth who are out on the streets, middle of... I mean, I see them uh, at least once a week. I'll see a group of very young kids on the streets as I'm coming to work quarter past three in the morning. And and my first thought usually is I feel for those kids. I think, God, they should be in a nice comfy bed in a nice room. But that's just not the reality. It's just not the reality. And, and neither is suggesting that parents should be held responsible for crimes because in a lot of these instances, a lot of these kids don't have parents. So I don't know what the answer is any more than anyone else. But the question that I will ask is, is it reasonable to suggest that a child of 10 years of age or 11 years of age or 12 years of age is fully cognizant of their actions when they commit a crime? 
Is that reasonable to expect that that is the case? Now, if we all agree that that is reasonable to expect that if you are 10 or 11 years of age that you are fully cognizant of your actions, then we should have no issue with charging them the same as we charge anybody else. But there are reasons, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, there are reasons why we don't allow 10 and 11-year-olds to vote or drink or do other things. So is it reasonable for us to expect as a society that somebody under the age of 13 is capable of understanding their actions fully when they're committing crimes? One triple three five three. I know it's a bit of a can of worms, but if we don't continue these discussions... And in another 25 years, when I'm way too old to be doing this, we're still going to be talking about it instead of talking about a solution that we've come up with. Good, mate. Good. You've opened up the can of worms, and I bet you're covering yourself in a mess. <laughs> oh, mate, you know, I think these discussions are important to be had. And, uh, <laughs> and it's great to hear a lot of different uh, voices coming in on it as opposed to just mine. Mate, um, I, I think what you're doing is a terrific job, and, um, you know, you need a lot of... Uh, community vocals here, but um, when you've got politicians on the green side, um, if they're educated, you know, they're, they're sending the wrong message to these young kids. I've got friends who are foster care parents. Yes. They find it extremely hard. Their relationships are, are really stretched. Yep. More than a normal relationship. You're dealing with other kids. Their, their genes, you know, completely different to yours. Yes. And, you know, they're basically brainwashed by these people when they get into trouble. It's a bit of peer pressure and whatnot, and they fall into that sort of uh, they fall into that scenario. Exactly uh, right. And how easy it would have been for all of us. Uh, I mean, you know, I grew up in the southwestern parts of Sydney. I hung around some, you know, some blokes that I, some of which ended up in Long Bay Jail. One of my That's best right. mates at high school, uh, six months out of high school, he did an armed robbery on a bottle shop and spent the next 10 years in Long Bay Jail. Now, we were best of mates, but I had a wonderful family at home uh, who guided me through that time, despite all of that, and he didn't. His mother went through a revolving door of partners, uh, many of which abused him along the way. And... He went that way and I went this way. Now, you know, it could have been me. And you think, well, okay, what's the answer? I I just don't know because he went through all of that and then his mother disappears or she dies or whatever, she overdoses or whatever, and then there's no responsibility then held for her because she's no longer there and he's left with all of that and he then lashes out because of it and he's ruined his life and other others around him as well. And it just goes on. And then, of course, he goes to Long Bay Jar. Now, what happened when he came out of there? Well, by the time he came out of there, he was a career criminal. That's right. And they they get released back into society. Yep. They, they might last a month. They might last a week. A hundred percent. They're a crime and they're back inside because yep. that's their home. That's safe for them. That's right. And that was exactly what I heard from him uh, over the years was he felt more comfortable inside than out and yep. uh, he was more concerned about what he would do if he was out. If he was in, he at least knew that, you know, he was uh, restricted from doing anything that might hurt somebody else. Yeah, it's rehab for him, mate. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. Absolutely it's right. For you know, uh, it, it's just, uh, and as I say, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the answer's a pineapple because it, it, we're just, there's yeah. never going to be a definitive, okay, this is it. If we do this, it'll fix it. Well, 
doesn't matter what we do, it's going to cost the, the, the state, the taxpayer, a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, you're and, right. Um, and unfortunately, we've got to give the support to these foster care parents. Couldn't um, agree more yeah. about that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, they're not just a mum and dad. They are counsellors. They are, you know, trying to be this kid's friend. They're trying to help this kid along the way, trying to show them that, it, you know, the way that they're going in life doesn't have to be that way. There is, there's better things to have if you just put your mind to it and work a little bit hard for it. That's right. And kids don't get it, mate. So no, I know. It, it, it's a hard subject and, you know, just throwing the book at them and, and flogging them, yeah, well, those days are gone, unfortunately, and it's not the answer. So That's right. Well, it didn't work. I mean, it yeah, didn't work. We, we did do that, work. and it didn't work. So now we've got to come up with something else. And as I say, I'm afraid I don't know what that is. I hope there's a lot uh, smarter people than me out there working on it, uh, and eventually something comes up. But I don't know. I really don't. I'm very concerned about you know my kids and, and what, they're, what they're walking into uh, in, uh, in the next you know, 30 and 40 years. Yeah, that's right. As I tell my kids, you know, you've got a mind of your own. Yes. Only you can make the right decision. If, if you didn't make that decision to follow a friend to go and do something stupid, you've only got yourself to blame. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Uh, my, you know, my kids are 16 and 10, and they understand that. Yep. So, you know, I said to them, you know, don't worry about when you get caught by the police. Wait till I turn up to the police. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I've said to my kids, too. They are far more concerned about what happens when Dad gets there uh, than they ever would be about the law. Uh, but, you know, we joke and we laugh about that, but the reality is that our kids, both yours by the sounds of it and mine, are very lucky that they, they didn't have the choice. They didn't choose to be born into our families. Uh, they just got born into our families, and we've given them that opportunity. So, uh, you know, uh, not every kid's that lucky, as you well know. Uh, knowing people in the foster uh, business, you, you know all too well about that. So, uh, Terry, I appreciate you weighing in, mate. You know, the more we talk about this sort of thing, the the, the closer we do come to some solution. And uh, it's uh, it's people like yourself taking the time to get on the phone, have a belt, uh, makes a big difference. So thank you. I appreciate it. No worries, Lee. And, you know, we appreciate what you bring up onto the, onto the show. Otherwise, you'd be pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes I wonder, I think, do I want to do this? But then I think, you know what? I've got to. Uh, it's my responsibility. I'm lucky enough to do this for a living. So, uh, you know, it comes with a bit of responsibility. So every now and again, as opposed to just the fart jokes that I do, we better do something that's uh, worth something for the community. So hopefully this is. <laughs> Well, go home when you finish the show. Have a, have a nice hot shower and a cold beer and get rid of the, uh, the can of worms that you spilled. Kids of today have got no respect. So at the end of the day, you do an adult crime, you do an adult time, mate, regardless. It's yep. that simple. Is you that know? more of a reflection on us, Wade? Uh, no. Given that, the, I mean, why don't the kids of today have the same respect levels as the kids of yesteryear? I mean, was it because the parents of yesteryear were more strict and more demanding of that respect that we haven't been and we've let them get to this point? There's two things in this story, Lee. First of all, mate, uh, respect comes from home, okay? Um I know as a kid, mate, if I looked sideways at a police officer and gave him a bit of cheek, I'd probably get a clip under the ear by the police officer and the old man. Yep, absolutely. Now, now we've got too many left-wing bigots, mate, that want to jump up and down and say, there's got to be more um, to the kids, mate. They've got, they got rights and everything. Hang yep. on a minute. <laughs> Your rights are then abolished when you are disrespectful and, uh, and break the law. Yep. 
you know, a, a kid these days, you can charge them all you like, mate, but then the little Johnny goes to court and the, and the guy goes, the judge goes, oh, I'm sorry, poor little Johnny's had a hard life. Oh, yeah, give him a cuddle and send him on his way. That's the problem in society of today. The young kids of today have got no respect for the law. They know what they can and can't get away with. Um, they, they laugh at coppers for doing their job. You know, a 12-year-old and 13-year-old, mate, if they, they commit an adult crime, they should go into jail and do adult time. Throw the book at them. It's Fair. that simple. There's none of this whole... You know, like you said before, devil's advocate about how you want them to, you know, should they vote? And that, that's, a, that's a privilege of society to be able to vote for our society. Have a drink at the pub when we turn 18. But that's why, a privilege of society, but mate. But why did, why did we make it 18? Why didn't we say, well, 16 will do? Or, you know, 35? Like, we made why it 18 why for Why didn't a, we make it 21 like the rest of the world, Exactly. Mate. Exactly right. So, and, there, and I'll tell you so what, there's countries that look at us and go, there's no way 18-year-olds are responsible enough to be able and, to drink. And that comment right there is exactly the comment is that is wrong with society, Lee. Why... why People will be sitting there going, why are we so hard on little Johnny for stealing the car? It's a hard one, isn't it? It is. I, I know I'm just sick to sick to death of, um, you know, our insurances are going up because of the problem. And, yep. you know, I, I don't know the answer, but I think we, we definitely, I know when I was 13, I definitely knew right from wrong. Yep. Um, but I'm was that because that, you had an because, environment that taught you right from wrong? Oh, for sure, mate. Yeah. I, I think the main thing is we should be, well, they should change the p- pursuit policy because they know as soon as they run, they won't get caught. And then, you know, they, they die like that young fella up at Townsville. Yeah. You know, I don't know the answer, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure I instill good values in my kids anyway. And, you know, maybe they might do the same thing when they're older. They might rebel. Who knows? But I'm going to try my best. How fantastic it was to see Rugby League back on our screen Saturday night. And I tell you what, they didn't muck around. Uh, There was no talk of it being some sort of a trial match or exhibition. Uh, And it's great to have our good mate, our sporting guru for Triple M, Dobbo, joining me to talk about it uh, this morning. G'day, mate. G'day, Lee. Uh, It was unbelievable. 16 points to 10, the Maori All-Stars over... Indigenous All-Stars and what a performance it was. And you're right, um, it was brutal. It was grand final-like. There was no love lost between all of them. And Jordan Rappiner, he's a a hothead at the best of times. He's going to do a couple of weeks for a shoulder charge. So uh, it was good football. Um, And trials started as well for a lot. Like Brisbane had a trial against Winner Manly, um, 52 points to four. Um, They did that one easily as well. And... Look, a lot of that Indigenous All-Stars game, it's a very much a trial. Like, I know Brisbane were watching Albert Kelly yes. because, obviously, he's in contention for that sixth spot. And also, um, Brisbane were looking at how their uh, young halves were playing because they're obviously still trying to work out who's going to fit into that role. So, Rugby League is back. There's a big trial on the Gold Coast this weekend, uh, the, Titans and the, Cow- uh, the Titans and the Broncos, and then... The Broncos will go and play the Cowboys a week later up in Mackay, and that then that'll round it out. 
And, mate, we're four weeks away. Can you it, believe look, it? Look, it is fantastic. I, I did just want to quickly ask, though, about a number of years ago, I remember asking Wayne Bennett about trial matches, and, and he, yeah. he said, I hate them. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a big concern over injury leading into seasons and all all this sort of stuff. Has Is the mail you're getting that, that they've changed their tune about that? Because we're yeah. going to see every trial match on uh, Fox League Fox, now yeah. uh, for yeah. the first time ever. That That's going to be everyone. They're turning it into a whole new thing. Have the coaches, though, from your mail changed their attitude towards it? Yeah, they have because Brisbane, uh, well, the people I talk to with the Queensland clubs because yes. they are playing their strongest sides this week for at least the first half there you go. in that trial. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they need to get combinations right. I think the, the line between first and last is so tight and they need to get combinations and know which to go into the to, to uh, the best way forward um, and, and know which is the best side come round one, which is in two weeks. And they don't want to be mucking around. Um, it's good. Now, Leo, I, I understand, like, I, I, know, I know a lot of people up in uh, on the Darling Downs love their golf, but if anybody has a chance at the moment, go and watch some highlights from the Phoenix Open and the 16th hole. It's a par three. And what happens there at the Phoenix Open is 25,000 people congregate around this hole and yep they put a bit of diesel into them and they all have a few beers and they all love it. <laughs> Americans are the best of time well lo and behold not only yesterday but today they've had hole in ones well I always thought Americans were a little silly it's been confirmed because <laughs> they have thrown more grog onto the field onto the golf green than you've ever seen it's worth the YouTube watch anybody's listening just go and type in 16th Alphanic Open one of the great things, spectacles you've ever seen. It really is quite unbelievable. All right. Now, I, who's your tip for Super Bowl? Uh, I think the Bengals will win, Joe Burrow, only because I'm a Cleveland Browns and he's an Ohio boy and they all right play on. together. And I like that. And I hate OBJ for walking out on the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, in yeah. LA, I'm on the LA Rams, I've got to say. All right, so that's yeah, coming up right. a little bit later on. Uh, yeah, but you know I follow Parramatta. Uh, yeah. Now, mate, uh, before we let you go, uh, we've just heard a, a, a few things happening uh, with regards to yourself. Yeah. Uh, what's what's happening, mate? Everything uh, well, okay? Everybody who's watching Channel 9 over the weekend and, and tonight, um, there's a big story on myself. Um, <clears throat> and this is, and Lee, you'll get this as much as I do. Mate, I'm 45 years old and I've carried weight my whole life. I've lost a lot of weight. I was running two weeks ago and got massive chest pains, um, and I've been having the chest pains for six weeks and not talk, telling anybody about it. Oh, From there, I got rushed to hospital where I had an 88% blockage of my major artery. And if it wasn't for the blokes that I was running with and me ringing my GP, who told me to go straight to the hospital, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. I am not the advocate for a bloke that's lived 20 years of healthy lifestyle. I just haven't been. I've, had, I've played hard. I've worked hard. But I can only implore to every single person who listens to this show, if you have any doubt, can you go and get some bloods checked? Just go to the GP and get your blood checked. That is a starting point to survival because your cholesterol, your blood pressure, everything. I had a stent put in. I'm 45. I'm just recently married. I've got three kids. And, mate, I literally have faced everything in the last two weeks. I cannot implore. I've done a big story on it. I'm normally not into all that kind of stuff, but when it is very real like that, and if, if I'm at 45 and can get my life right, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who can do that as well. 
Well, mate, thank you for sharing your story, and it will definitely make a difference. There's no doubt about that. So uh, please take that advice. It is great advice. Uh, Dobbo, mate, uh, all the best for that journey, and uh, (laughs) enjoy the the Super Bowl. I know you love your sport, so you'll be into that today. Mate, we're going to a Super Bowl party. Good on you. All right, we'll take it easy. Talk to you later. See you later. Hello, is that Geraldine? Yes, hello, how are you? I'm well, and you? I'm just letting you know about, yes, you men do have to get checked. As yes. you well know, my husband went just within a matter of two seconds, he was gone at 65. Oh, because sorry. he was a stubborn male, everything was okay, oh, yeah, I'm right, I'm right. He hadn't been to a doctor for five years, so of course we had to have a coroner's report, we had the FBI, we had everybody at home because he hadn't been to a doctor. So it's very, very important and yes, when you are maybe a little bit overweight, but I'm sorry, people that are overweight can also have good cholesterol and everything. But yeah, then you don't, of course. You can't use that as an excuse. That's no, the trouble. No, so, exactly yes, right. You do have to get checked up more often than five years anyway, Lee. Absolutely. Well, so thank that's you. that's where it's very hard that you've got to, you know, I mean, just even the slightest twinge, you should go nowadays because we are of a, fa- a world of obesity, but we try yes. not to be, but... It's very difficult sometimes when you get a bit older and you can't get down to do these things. <laughs> oh, I know what you're saying. Absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, have a good, good week, Lee. And, thank yeah, you. And thank you for sharing that because that makes a big difference to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. So thank it's you. very, very hard because, you know, I, know. I tried CPR, CPR on, but it was oh, a waste of time. So, yeah. sorry. No. Oh, but that's seven, that's seven years nearly on in March, so it's hard to believe where that time's gone. But yeah, yes. it's unbelievable, isn't it? Very, oh. very hard. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And like most people, I like balloons, especially helium ones, so you can do this. I'm a chipmunk. (laughs) Anyway, apparently some people really like balloons, like Julius. But Julius's love for balloons is a little different. My love for balloons is also a sexual love. When I see a, a beautiful balloon, my heart starts to flutter and I get aroused. Sorry, what? I'm holding one, you know, hugging it. I'll kiss it. And it's like being in heaven. I mean, don't you like to hug and kiss the woman that you love? Well, yes, but anyway, Julius insists he's far from alone. And among balloon lovers, there are two distinct groups. You got your poppers that get aroused by popping balloons. And you got your non-poppers. I'm a non-popper. Well, you know what they say, once you pop, you can't stop. Now, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but this is where the whole thing gets a little weird. You see, Julius spends his weekends rescuing balloons that he believes are being abused. I'll go to car dealerships and um, do what I call a balloon rescue. When they set them out early in the morning, they're really beautiful. And as the sun uh, bakes on them, they get really dull, uh, misshapen. I feel, you know, like I give him a second chance at life. Yeah, but given his unusual obsession for balloons, I'm not sure that they would agree. You cannot be serious! I recently, uh, I received a copy of an open letter that uh, was written to the federal member for Groom uh, from someone who we've had on the show, actually, Ben Apsey from Globetrotters Travel and Cruise. And uh, I've got the federal member for Groom, Garth Hamilton, joining me uh, this morning on the line. Good morning, Garth. G'day, Lee. 
Uh, obviously, businesses right across the board, hospitality industry, the retail industry, and uh, in particular, the travel industry, uh, are frustrated. Uh, they are beside themselves with what has happened over the last couple of years. It hasn't been a, a, a great scenario. And I'll, and I'll just paraphrase a bit of this uh, this letter uh, that was written by Ben. I addressed to yourself, a constituent in Groom, he says, I'm deeply concerned about the perilous state of the travel industry. Uh, as a travel agent and a small business rep, on uh, Tuesday the 25th of January, travel agents participated in a National Travel Day of Action to highlight the dire situation. Uh, to this, we've received no response from you or your office. Uh, basically, the bottom line is, he says, what we want, we want MPs to provide urgent financial support via AFTA's Travel Sector Skills Retention and Recovery Package for MPs to lift the two-year ban on the cruise industry and for Australian vaccine passports to be recognised internationally. I, you've obviously read the letter in it in its entirety. Uh, mm. What what do you say to Ben and the the several other travel agents that are listening now quite uh, closely right around the region of Groom? Oh look, absolutely. the The industry's gone through a hell of a time, Lee. You know, and it's uh, travel. It's almost any industry that takes bookings has taken a real hit. You know, it's it's been a a really difficult time. It's been two years of uncertainty now. Uh, you know, times when people think they might get ahead and then it all falls apart. And I know just just last week there was a uh, internal uh, cruise uh, down to Hobart that um, had an outbreak on it, and people had to go into quarantine. So that that, that shocked the industry again. Just when we, the cruise industry was hoping to get back on its feet, there was a a problem there for people. So it's it's been a really rough time. And I absolutely get that people are frustrated in the industry and they're worn out. I speak uh, to uh, the owner of Hello World just across the road from my office there about her concerns. And I, I know it's it's very, very tough and um, absolutely we acknowledge this is a hard time. But look, there's some great, great news that came out of last week's uh, National Cabinet, Lee, some really good news. We've uh, finally reached an agreement with the states uh, that we'll see uh, cruises open up. Uh, in very, very short order, I suspect. Uh, the, state, the states have all agreed. The eastern states are going to work together to do it all in a sort of coordinated batch. Uh, the federal government has removed any last objections they have. And we're looking forward to seeing this industry open up. It's a huge industry. It's, it's one that we protect very much. But, Lee, I guess that the main point from the federal and the state perspective was we didn't want to open this thing up and then have another problem, another outbreak, some... People caught in quarantine who didn't think they'd have to go into quarantine. Uh, that would have knocked the industry back on its feet again. And at a time when consumer confidence is something that we need to focus on, we need to grow, uh, it was certainly a concern of the government's. I know that it won't be inevitably your decision necessarily to make, but will you at least, uh, you know, as the, as the representative for Groom, take it further and talk about the travel sector uh, package? the financial support that could be there for uh, the uh, the travel industry? Look, absolutely. And we've we've already had discussions with the minister on it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that a lot of my colleagues have been dealing with in uh, party room uh, for quite some time. Uh, not been a uh, something that's been missing from the conversation at all. And I would note, this is a... Today we're having a discussion, Lee, about a letter sent on the 9th on last Wednesday, 
uh, replied to on the 14th, um, only, what, three, four working days after. This is a, a, a place that's working, that's changing very, very quickly. In between that time, mass, massive announcement from National Cabinet. It is a moving area, um, and it's something that we're having to keep a track on. Fantastic. Um, but right. Look, I, I've got to say too, Lee, I, I would say I appreciate people have frustrations at this time, and sometimes they feel the need to let their frustrations out. I've got no issue with that, Lee, because it's really tough. It really is. And I'm more than happy to receive this correspondence and have people talk about it. The person who wrote that uh, letter is uh, Ben Apsey, who we spoke, who speak to regularly from Globetrotters Travel and Cruise. And he now joins me for breakfast. Good morning to you, Ben. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Uh, very well. Uh, obviously, it's been very frustrating times for you guys. There's been little dribs and drabs of good news here and there, but it's been highlighted with the fact that there are still so many hurdles for you to get back doing what you do and for those of us who like to travel to get back to doing that as well. I, I know that you heard uh, most of the conversation that I had a little earlier with uh, Garth Hamilton. Uh, first things first, uh, in your letter, and, and I know since that, you've been a bit uh, concerned that he hasn't reached out and and answered the letter. He, he says to me in our conversation that he has made answer to that letter uh, three days after it was, uh, it was written, uh, but it wasn't a personal address to you. Yeah, well, I'm yet to see um, his his reply to to our our specific letter. I did see that he uh, commented in the Chronicle uh, yesterday, but uh, look, a bit disappointing that it it took getting the media involved for him to to do his job as an MP and respond to his constituents. All right. So your concerns really surround uh, what it is that can be done by the federal government, in particular to get you back doing what you do. Uh, one of those is financial support. Uh, now, I asked Garth if he would at least take up that cause, and he assures me that that is something that he will do. Uh, he also says that there has been some new revelations, some new decisions made regarding, in particular, the cruise industry uh, that has uh, come to light just in the last 48 hours. Are you aside those yet? Because I, I didn't get detail from uh, from Garth, but are you aside the, the, uh, what might be changing? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's great to hear that he's at least going to take up the um, the request for assistance on the uh, the jobs and skills retention package that um, AFTA's been calling for. Um, that, that's great. That's that's helpful with getting all those people that lost their jobs during COVID from the, the travel agents sector in particular back into work. You know, we've, I've said it before, we've lost 10 travel agencies in our greater metropolitan area of Toowoomba in the last two years. And that's, that's, that's a huge loss of jobs. That's Absolutely. great that he's it's great news to hear that he's going to do that. And he's in the perfect spot for that this week. He's in Canberra. He can go on down, talk to people in the halls, have the meetings that he needs to, to to put that issue to them. And that's what we've been asking for. On the cruising stuff, it, it's it's an interesting thing. I'm, 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 a bit of, I'm mostly across the cruising scenario. There's been this blame game happening between the states and the feds as to who, who needs to make the decision to do it. Well, last week we had the three eastern states at National Cabinet. Yes, we agree. We want to we want to resume cruising. Why it wasn't included in the international opening is just it doesn't make sense. One yes. plus one doesn't equal two in that scenario. When the rules changed for international tourists coming in, why didn't they change for cruising? Why can I get on a plane to Fiji 
but I can't get on a boat to Fiji. That's a fair point. Yeah, if you're going to catch COVID, it doesn't matter whether you're on the boat or on the plane, you're going to have to quarantine. So, you know, if there's no difference there. You have to do the quarantine if you've got COVID. That's the rules, right? But the cruising good news, one day, the federal government the next day turned around and said, yep, great to hear the states want to do it. We're going to extend our biosecurity ban on cruise ships. So it was a little bit of a kick in the teeth from the federal government. Did what they really should have done, and look, I understand. Yeah, we'll, we'll extend the ban. However, we are setting a date for reopening. Anastasia Palaszczuk did it, and it paid off. She set the date. This is when our borders are going to open, and people went out and got vaccinated. Yeah. So why won't the federal government do the same thing? It seems like almost a knee-jerk reaction from them. Well, let's hope that either way that they make the right decision and that they start to reinvigorate this industry because when you hear that we've lost 10 travel agencies in the greater metropolitan region of Toowoomba uh, and I'm assuming there's, you know, what, half a dozen people in each of those, uh, 50 to 60 people uh, uh, out of work. Uh, that's just not good enough. So that's it. And, something and the, ones that, the ones that were left, you know, they're like me, they're, they're like the owner of Hello World um, around the corner they had to work other jobs to pay the bills. They had to sell property. They had to remortgage their houses, go into their savings to keep their businesses open so they could do the right thing by their customers. And what you're asking um, for is the same as other industries have been given, uh, 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 tra- some sort of financial support to get uh, the ship righted, as it were, to use uh, that pun, uh, but also some clarity as to what you can start planning for in the future. That's right. We okay. want the clarity. You know, For us, the cruising industry in Australia is worth $5.2 billion to our economy. Wow. So the government talks about all the billions it handed out. All it has to do is change some legislation. And there's $5.2 billion worth of tourism dollars in cruising ready to restart. You may have already seen a little bit of this on social media and on the Toowoomba Regional Council's uh, website, but a flyover uh, graphic uh, video of the proposed sports precinct for Charlton, which has long been touted. And uh, joining me to have a chat about that is Toowoomba Regional Councillor James O'Shea. G'day, mate. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Mate, very well. Very excited about the prospect of all of this. Uh, obviously, you know, looking to really cash in on the uh, Olympics uh, down in Brisbane in uh, 10 years' time. Uh, just firstly, though, there's been a little bit of uh, confusion, I think, a little bit of talk about the place, uh, that this was uh, a sports precinct that was being backed by the council and and in opposition to or uh, instead of the proposed uh, precinct that we've talked about much uh, out at the Wellcamp Airport. Uh, but the thing is, these are two very different animals, aren't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I think I think there's the opportunity where both of these facilities can can work yes. together, and 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 steps have been put towards that. So, obviously, this has been, as you mentioned, long touted, long planned. The vision for this for from the Toowoomba Regional Council stretches back up before my time of council, a long period of time, and we're at this stage now where it's working towards actually seeing dirt turned. So uh, so this has been long in, in the pipeline, and of, of course uh, the incredible family, the Wagner family out there, we've got that amazing facility out there, and, that, and then obviously the dream of having that motorsport facility and other things like that. So yeah. when that first hit the press, uh, council officer sort of reached out to try and have a chat and just work out, okay, you know, exactly, because you don't want to duplicate, uh, you want to see how they best can work together. Um, you know, this facility, as I said, probably caters for something 
uh, different towards what the what the other one will, and and I think what it sets up for between a, a private company and then of course through council, you're going to have some potentially to incredible facilities oh. for our region that are going to be out there that, that are going to mean great things. All right. So this one at Charlton, you'll be covering off on quite a number of sports there. Yeah? I mean, we're talking Correct. all the, 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 the football and all the codes as well as cricket and other things. Yes, basically everything that you can think of will, will be based at Charlton. Something that I'm sure we don't need to go over is a lot of our sporting facilities at the moment in the region are at their capacity or even beyond. So we do definitely have a shortage of facilities to service yeah. the region. Council did all the studies on that. So through our Sport and Active Healthy Recreational Living Plan going back a few years ago, identifying where the need was, identifying what, what we need. So so here you'll see a, a massive complex here that'll be done over seven stages. You're talking 100. $97 million, and what it does provide is uh, is a, a standard of facility that one can attract sort of higher levels of competition, but also just provide more opportunity for more people to be involved in sport and recreation, and that's a, that's a big thing for our community because, as you know, we, we're such an active community. We love our sport at whatever level it may be, and this means more people can uh, can play sport, and, and it's it takes pressure off suburban grounds. All right. Now, given that, uh, is there plans then for this Charlton Precinct to have a big stadium? Is that where we would put the stadium? Or are we still talking about uh, a stadium closer to the CBD? Yeah, well, I think both of those conversations are still bubbling around. But first of all, out at Charlton, there will be a premier rectangular field, so so one that will will you know have a grandstand facilities and things like that. So a premier facility there, a premier oval facility there as well as an oval. I mean by oval shaped ground. So so you will have premier facilities for those that do cater for events like that. That other question around we know with the state government doing upgrades around Clive Berg Office Stadium yeah. or, or what else happens with that with you know you've got the Olympics in twenty thirty two that's bubbling around with that as well. So is there opportunities to leverage off that? Are there other ways that we can look at, you know, what this facility can look at with that in mind, but also more so from a legacy point of view, long-term-wise, what facilities we leave our region. All right. And just finally, would this then replace a lot of these smaller grounds and things, or will they still stay in operation and then be complemented by this larger facility at Charlton? Yeah, it's a good question. I think they will be complemented because, again, we have so many people playing sport around our area. But that's something that I think that we will see once we see this develop because, again, you're talking about patients with this. We're talking seven stages over 20 years that this will roll out. So, yeah. you know, so funding-wise, it's a large bucket of money as well. So all of those things need to be considered. But personally, I, I do think in, in time, you, you will see that, uh, that facilities here will complement what we have out there. Absolutely brilliant. Well, it's shoring up not only for, you know, my kids, but their kids and their kids' kids uh, down the track, which is just wonderful. And uh, I think it's a it's a great proposal. And I hope that uh, I'm able to talk about it coming to fruition over the next decade. Uh, Councillor James O'Shea from the Toowoomba Regional Council, thank you, mate, for your time as always. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lee.